every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host Manuel Fate, and we're back for another episode of Russian Football. And as always, I'm joined by Tim Bokterjev just across the channel here. And I'm in Vancouver Island, he's in Vancouver. How is it going, Tim? Hey, nice to hear you, my friend. I'm glad that we're doing this podcast again. Glad to talk to you, uh, to you my friends. Um, um, this, in my opinion, this has been the most scandalous week of Russian football, which I personally have uh, seen and observed. So I'm very excited and I'm not even sure how we're going to um, try to talk about every single crazy thing which happened this week. But we will try our best, uh, especially in such a great company like you, my friends. Uh, I, I don't know what to say, Tim. I mean, we've been doing this podcast now for the better part of, you know, four years and... Um... For you to say this is the most scandalous week in Russian football, Whew. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, we have a we have a huge case sample here, so uh, yeah, I will better get through this quick. And uh, helping us to get through this really quick is Andrew Flint, all the way in Siberia. And uh, Andrew, first of all, how are you doing, and how are you perceiving um, this most scandalous week in Russian football? <laughs> I I shouldn't laugh, but Tim's absolutely right. It's nuts, but it probably is one of the most scandalous weeks we've had. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, let's let's put the worlds to right as as we do as we do each pod. Um, I'm looking forward to this, and uh, yeah, like you said, there's a lot to get through, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, um, the most scandalous week in Russian football. I I, I think we have to start with the biggest scandal out there, and there's really no other way to describe what happened in Sochi other than saying it was a massive scandal. The news really made it around the world and there's, I think everyone was kind of talking about it. Um, people who saw the scoreline initially thought, well, this is, this is an odd scoreline. I mean, double digit scorelines happen and, you know, even in the best of times, but I think we have to start with this and the, Return of Russian football was in many ways marred by this result. Uh, Tim, Sochi against Rostov. Sochi win this game 10-1. This is a team fighting relegation. Rostov is a team that's in the Champions League spots. Obviously, something happened 
that would warrant this result. And I tell you, it's not just, you know, form related. There is so much that happened here. Help us unpack it a little bit here. Yeah, my friend. Yeah, it's so, it's, it's, it's a long story with so many layers of insanity, but let me try to unpack it and then Andrew will help me with that as well. So, Pretty much what happened is that uh, Sochi were scheduled to play Rostov. You're absolutely right. Sochi is in the relegation. Rostov is fighting for Champions League. And what happened is that um, a couple of days before the game, uh, it was announced that Rostov had uh, six positive uh, COVID tests. So then they went um, ahead to the league and asked to reschedule the game. The problem is that the, the Russia uh, was in a rush um, to restart the league and I really want to refer to how we finished the previous podcast that all three of us, even two of us, live in uh, North America and uh, Andrew is in Tumane who has a little bit more inside this first-hand information. We all agreed that we feel like uh, that the Russian in general as a country and especially as football are rushing the return uh, a little bit but uh, they pushed it so late the return uh, to the league there's no really a, a day except one uh, potential match day uh, where they can move the game so if if something happens uh, then um, you know there's no real date where you can move uh, or postpone the game so what happens Rostov gets uh, six players with positive tests and the question comes, okay, what to do with the game? So there's, the league says, really, proceed with the game. Sochi declines to uh, postpone the game because Sochi, is, uh, they are fighting relegation. And Rostov, they end up being in a very tough position because the day before uh, the positive test was uh, happened, they played against in their, against their U21 team. So now both teams, because of six COVID, uh, positive cases, they have to go in two weeks quarantine. So... Uh, they're in a very si- tough situation because, like, not the first team, not even the youth team are available uh, to play the game. So, unfortunately, Rostov were forced to play the team uh, made up of players uh, which were born in the year 2003. 2003, uh, I already finished high school, and uh, then maybe I'm referring to my age, but 2003, this is their, like, 16, 7 years old kid. Like, the kids are still at school. Like, it's it's absolutely insane. So, Rostov was absolutely shocked. They said, listen, like, we need to move this game. Sochi said, we don't want to move this game because we, we got ready. And um, so, Rostov, Sochi, the men's team, the proper first Premier League team, ended up playing against the team of kids. And uh, the kids arrived uh, in Sochi. That was a way game for them. They only, and the only, the other caveat is that because the youth league is finished, they haven't played or kicked the ball in a few months because they didn't have a training really, like because because of the COVID and because their season was canceled. Uh, so the kids haven't kicked the ball in months, and they have to face um, Premier League uh, team and make this debut. So it was an absolutely insane story. We will talk about what happened in the game a little bit later in the show when we go over all results. But at the end, the result was 10-1. And um, Sochi really earned so many enemies in um, in the Russian football and in the Russian country because this became a massive um, national news uh, because they really destroyed and the poor kids 10-1. Even, you know, if you decide, yeah, we're in the relegation battle, we really need those three points. Maybe they could have stopped at uh, three or four goals, but they went all the way and destroyed poor kids 10-1. And they were celebrating the goals like some people said, like like they won the World Cup. There was emotions and really, 
uh, they didn't really cover themselves in glory, and um, the league didn't cover themselves in glory because uh, we will. That will be the next step of this scandal. That's kind of the initial story, Andrew. Could you please add something? Maybe I missed something, or just your opinion on this on this Sochira story. <laughs> Oh dear Lord, you covered it very well there, Tim. I mean, to be fair, uh, look, I, I'm going to try my best to offer the other side of it, if there is one. Um, this is this is it. I'm not trying to make this out as a positive, but the you mentioned about how the regulations for returning were fairly rushed. They were, they sat down the the Russian Premier League, the Russian Football Union, and all of the clubs. They, they all sat down and agreed the regulations that would only give them, like you say, there's only one date that could possibly be a reserve date, which is the 19th of July, being the Russian Cup semi-final date. Um, but again, again, there are there are um, two clubs already in the semi-finals. There could well be three in the semi-finals from the Russian Premier League who are still playing. So it could only apply to 13 of the 16 clubs anyway. Um, and they, the, the worst part for me is simply that the rules state, as agreed by everybody, I think the problem is they shouldn't have been agreed by everybody, but the Russian Premier League have said that um, we will not have the final say on whether a game is postponed or not in this sort of situation. It's up to the clubs to agree. Well, when it's a public health matter concerning Oh, yeah, 140 million people in this country and beyond when you've got foreign players and families. Uh, it should never, ever be left to the final decision to the clubs to agree. They should be told this is not just a sporting matter anymore. So therefore, it should not be left to the sporting parties to decide. Um, the Rostov youngsters, they played very well and they they came out of it very well. But I think Sochi really had a chance to um, do something positive by showing a bit of sportsmanship. Even on social media, we mentioned last, I don't know if did we mentioned last week or not, they put out on their Instagram a picture of schoolboys drowning, not literally drowning, but like flooded with water as if to say, oh, we were all at school once. And I thought, you cannot be that tone deaf. You cannot misread yeah. the room so badly as to put that out. Don't mock them. At least they could have said, well, you know what? Well done, young Russian players, and try and stir a bit of, you know, we're proud to see young Russian players in our league playing so well. But they couldn't even do that. Um, yeah, it's set a dangerous precedent, and that's what I'm worried about now um, because I'm certain other clubs will look at it and think, well, I hope they will, they will have, let's say, higher standing models. And take the higher moral, you know, the high ground. But um, the other clubs could well say, well, look, if Sochi are going to take advantage, maybe so will we. And that's what I'm concerned about. Exactly, Andrew. Like, uh, a very good point about the league just stepping away from making the decision and kind of delegating that to clubs to make the decision if they're going to play the game of football or not. Uh, given that there's not too many, there's only one uh, so what date where they can be postponed, but it also really, really screws up the sportsmanship. And this is what we saw in this game. Sochi, it was in their benefit to play, and in Rostov's case, it wasn't. But the Sochi had kind of the first hand of making the decision. So it's not a sportsmanship. It's just the hope somebody has a, you know, a benefit in this situation. So 
this is step one of this big scandal. Nano, do one of your great transitions and let's talk about uh, the part two of the scandal. Yeah, I mean, scandal part two. You know, you, you basically <laughs> gave me the best transition already. But um, really, I really wanted to add something to this because I, I think before we go go to the next part of the scandal, I think we really need to look at the table and see what the, what this does. To the standings and um, I think both of you really mentioned it quite well is, is the fact that the league didn't really have a workaround for this and that other teams can benefit from it. I mean, I look at Sochi now and they are 10th in the standing, right? And their goal differential is now plus seven. And this, this has an impact on the, on the relegation battle. And Rostov is a team that uh, on a normal day, you know, would have probably won this game. They, they've been trajecting towards a Champions League spot. This, this messes up the standings. And I, I think, I think the problem with this is that, you know, you have to have a clear line. And it looks like, you know, speaking of, of the second part of it, the clear line is, is literally missing when it comes to the RPL setting a policy for this, because we're now going to talk about part two, which shows that, well, it doesn't seem like the, the, the governing body of football is really measuring all instances in the same way. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And you even said a little bit the line is missing. I think it's, 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 the line is so vague that it's, it's absolutely scandalous. So what happens next? Dynamo announces that they have COVID in the team, that their player Clinton G and Charles Cabaret, who gave him apparently a right to the training ground, they had COVID and then they had training. So, Dynamo now goes to the quarantine, and as Andrew mentioned, we still have one date, which is the semi-final of the cup, uh, where Zenit plays Spartak, and um, potentially Ural, um, out of another um, semi-final from the Premier League, uh, will be involved in that semi-final. So, technically, for those three teams, that uh, date doesn't work. So, Spartak, Zenit, and Ural potentially don't even have um, a date to postpone the game in case... Um, you know, hopefully that never happens, but if somebody gets uh, COVID in that team. So what happens that Krasnodar, they would have to play Dynamo, and what happens that uh, Dynamo offers Krasnodar to postpone the game, and the game gets postponed officially, so the game will take place later in in uh, in July 19th when the semifinal of the cup happens. So Absolutely two similar situations, which just to remind you, happening in, in the world pandemic. And one team has to play with the players age of 16, 17. And another team, because of exactly the same reasoning, gets the uh, gets their game postponed. So imagine how Rostov are absolutely mad. Because technically this game, Sochi-Rostov, could have been moved as well to the July 19th game, but Sochi declined to do that. I think that's the league's job to make sure that they set up the rules, the teams follow those rules, and if those rules for some reason cannot be uh, implemented, there is a backup plan. So that shows a complete lack of any kind of, you know, ruling government, the league, are making any kind of suggestions, especially in such tough situations, to to make it even, to try to find the solutions which will work for everyone. And clearly, one team benefits, potentially, and another gets a 110 dis- disaster. Um, 
to me, this is absolutely insane. Of course, Krasnodar did the night thing and they went all the way for airplay. And Galitsky, the president of the club, said, yes, we, we have no problem. Let's postpone the game because, um, you know, we, we, we're suffering all together. But Sochi didn't do that. Uh, uh, I'm just, I'm so mad. This is so unfair. And, uh, and this is Spartak is even not, not involved. And I'm still being emo here. <laughs> but boys, boys, isn't, isn't this where you basically should step in as a governing body? I understand. And I mean, we had, we had instances like this in, in Germany early on. You know, when Dynamo Dresden were put in in quarantine for two weeks and they had to uh, self-isolate and uh, ultimately had to play a lot of games back to back to back and they got relegated and, you know, they would have probably gotten relegated anyways, but they have a lot of anger now towards the DFL. But to have no wiggle room whatsoever and to have clubs make the decisions, this is, Andrew, something that I don't quite understand. Why is the... Uh, why is it the clubs? Why is it that, you know, Galitsky is saying okay and Sochi is not? And I can understand both views. I, I, I mean, we're in, we're in a sporting competition and Sochi is saying, oh, I'll take those three points. Thank you very much. We're fighting relegation. And Krasnodar's situation is maybe a little bit different. They're like, okay, well, we're, they're taking the high road. Don't get me wrong. But why is it that the clubs get to decide this? Well, I, I think it's, I, I agree. I think the basic, the basic logic is that when it's, when it goes beyond just pure basic organizational logistical matters, when it affects the health of not just sports people, but people around the country, um, that's, that it shouldn't be left to define it as force majeure because basically the league are standing behind the defense that if it is force majeure, then they, they are allowed within the regulations set forth. But it's, it's not just the Russian Premier League as well. We should make that clear at this point. It's the, the, the Russian Football Union as well are part of the decision-making process in the regulations. And they they only allow uh, the, the, the league to step in and make that decision when it's what they define as force majeure. And they're saying this isn't because it's, it's um, a, a health outbreak. And they have given guidance. I actually do. I, I know from one or two sources that the league are verging on furious at some of the clubs for their lack of adherence to the rules, and I can under, I can understand that because they the league will say, well, had everybody followed the guidelines rigidly like we asked, like we were recommended by the Russian health authorities, um, then we wouldn't be in this situation. But I still don't think that's enough of a defence because you've got to protect yourself against that sort of thing happening. You know, you've got unbelievable number of moving parts here that you cannot simply control and expect to follow rigidly because people are human. They are either idiots or stupid or forget and somebody will make a mistake um, and they, they have to cover themselves for that. One other thing I do want to actually add as well um, to make the comparison or sorry, contrast between Sochi Rostov and Krasnodar Dynamo even worse is with Rostov there were six players who contracted COVID and You've got to remember here that what happens next does not depend on the federal government's advice, the federal health authority's advice, but the regional health authority's advice. And the Rostov um, advice was the entire squad must go into quarantine. Um, with Dynamo, Moscow is 
under getting the situation under control better than most parts of the country and only three players I believe contracted it and crucially Dinamo's squad was not placed into quarantine only the players who had tested positive so in theory it was even more possible that Dinamo could have sent a team at least and and yet Krasnov still accepted their request to postpone it so Krasnodar had less need, if you like, or less obligation to agree to postpone it, and they still did. Whereas, uh, you know, the Sochi, there's so many things they could have done better. They could have even, I think, said, OK, if you're forced to play your under-18s, we'll at least play six or seven of our under-18 team. Um, something, anything. Um, but the comparison is, the contrast, so it's just so stark. It's it, no way you look at it does it come out well. Um, but as for the as for the league stepping in, I think um, I can see a little bit of the league's frustration. Um, you look at, and we will come on to this more about how clubs have actually managed and fans have managed and adhered to rules. But that's not a defence. It shouldn't be left to this situation because you can't trust average thousands of fans. You just simply can't. Well, and we're in a situation right where um, ahead of this podcast, and these these are the official numbers. So. Um, with everything that when we report about Russia and um, we're given numbers by the government, I always take them with a grain of salt. But there were 7,355 new cases in Russia um, by the time of recording. That's June 23rd. Um, this is an active, ongoing situation. You know, in a lot of other countries, um, those kind of case numbers would lead to a complete shutdown of the entire country of a lockdown, right? Um, I mean, there's the reports that we have come out of Germany, for example, of a regional outbreak that was enough to put that entire region back into lockdown. Uh, I think that this virus, and we're going to talk a lot more about this virus going forward, is something that has impacted this match day and has potentially impacted one of the players, right, Tim? Yeah, absolutely. This is where the part three uh, of the scandal continues. And let me state, because it is a rumor, it is not official. Uh, we're making some conclusions here, which are allegedly, you know, like I said, it could be a rumor. But uh, once I start telling you the story, you will kind of can put two and two together. So uh, there's rumored that one of UFA players, uh, Andres Wombergar, uh, tested positive um, with COVID. So, but um, Ufa played against Tambov and the game still went ahead. They didn't make this public. Again, like, this is just a rumor. But um, this player, he was not in the match day squad. He was not involved in any uh, shape or form. Uh, but uh, Ufa still played uh, the game against Tambov. The, the game went ahead. And uh, the other story, which was a little bit interesting, you know, you have to be a little bit on the club side, but uh, Tambov on the way back, they returned in a regular commercial flight with absolutely no social distancing. And there was some, um, some just, just other people were on this flight. Um, that's a, you know, that's again, a risky detail, but you don't know really, I don't know really how, know how aircrafts work right now, but going back to that, uh, positive case and, you know, fast side. So now we have three completely different stories, which came out, uh, from the same situation. Rostov had to, uh, play the kids. Uh, Krasnodar Dynamo game was postponed. The Ufa game went ahead, but they kind of hidden potentially player who, who was tested positive. 
but <laughs> so we have kind of like three completely different scenarios. You have to play the kids, you can postpone the game, or you can just um, remove uh, the infected players from the squad. I don't know what is the right solution, probably postponing games, but uh, again, this makes it just like so uh, insanely crazy how like exactly the same situation uh, drive completely different decisions. And again, like again, like I said again, it's a rumor. Um, but um, you know, because the player was not in the match day squad and he's not like the hundred percent starter, but he definitely should have been on the bench. Uh, but he wasn't, and um, if he was training with the team, so potentially there could be more cases. Inufa squad, Inufa played against Tambov, and Tambov returned in a regular commercial flight. There, this could potentially be, again, lead to more cases. And right now, again, we're kind of running out of dates. Uh, there's only one, and which is not for every team available, where you can move the game. So, if something, you know, happens, unfortunately, especially to Spartak, Zenit, or Ural, who potentially could be involved in a July 19th date, then it it will be a disaster because we have no room to move the games. The next season, I believe, starts like the week after the previous season finishes. So it it becomes an absolute nightmare. And how the how the league gonna rule this this situation out is is unknown because they made this big mistake that on the same situation on the same problem they didn't really have a solution and the clubs tried to figure it out themselves came up with completely different decisions, and we will see where this disaster uh, will end up. So before we move to the next topic, what does happen if the league runs out of dates and it can't finish? I don't know. And Andrew? I, I'll, um, I'll, I'll take that one. There was a press conference yesterday. Sergei Kriakin, um was on... A, a national news channel and he was interviewed about well all of these matters basically and he said they are about the games being postponed um well to help get games ahead they're trying to ask the health authorities if the regulations can be permitted so that when there is a case that player is self-isolated but the rest of the squad can still train in other words the focus is very much on instead of trying to find postponement dates, which, like you said, is virtually impossible. There are nine days between the last scheduled fixture and the first of next season. So, I mean, technically you could try and squeeze an extra reserve date at the end of the season. And they have they have said that they could even consider postponing the Russian Cup until the very, very last moment before next season starts to create one more match day. But then it's not really a full match day because... It's only for the teams that um, it doesn't create an extra reserve date. The other teams still have that semi-final days already. Um, so it's technically you could call the final one extra match day. So they, there's, I'm not saying it is actually potential, but they, the, the, the angle is more creating more possibility to play games rather than find um, temporary dates. So at most, there may be one more reserve date at the end of the season, but even that I think would be irresponsible but more likely just unlikely to happen at all um they're going to push to get these games ahead as much as they can which is quite a worrying trend so be prepared for lots of teams using the youth sites um high score lines i guess that's that's basically the only solution isn't it going forward yeah. to to get these games in to, to do what 
Ross of that and that that's going to be interesting as well because what happens if you know an entire club gets infected and they can't play at all yeah lots lots of uncertainty um boys also uncertainty with Viktor Goncharenko the head coach of CSKA um I feel like every time he heads to Belarus on a trip he doesn't come back until he goes to a new club. Andrew, is this something that we have to worry about in this situation or what's going on with Viktor Goncharenko heading home? Yeah, yeah. Um it's it's not it's not a pleasant uh, it's not a pleasant line to take if the health issues are involved, but yeah, I understand what you mean. Um okay, long story short, Cisco Moscow are in their longest winless run in the league for over seventeen years. Um, six games now, they haven't won in the Russian Premier League. Utterly humiliated at the weekend against the Neat. And Viktor Gontrenko doesn't even take part in the post-match press conference. And the first news that broke was that he suffered a bout of hypertension, um, or, or I believe a variation of high blood pressure, some condition. And he returned straight away to Belarus. And he... <sighs> It's going to sound awful, but the cynic will say that this is the timing is not a coincidence, given that he is under immense pressure. There were reports that the club were trying to persuade him just to commit to the end of the season at least, but he wanted to he wanted to quit. Um, I mean, the team is in disarray; they're all over the place, and and some of his decisions in the game itself. I mean, we'll come to more detail, but some of his decisions really were questionable. He. You know, you've got Artem Zuba, who is a big, strong, confident, top goal scorer in the league, top assist maker in the league. Sardar Asmoon alongside him, one of the best aerial threats in European football, in my opinion. You've got that physical strike partnership up front. He plays 17-year-old Vadim Karpov in a three-man defence, who is all over the place, run ragged, um, who ends up getting sent off in the game. But he makes two cent substitutions at half-time, both of them defensive ones, but he doesn't take off the 17-year-old who's been run ragged. Uh, that alone makes me think what on earth is running through Gontrenka's head. But so anyway, he's um, he's he, he's not taking training this week. He won't be in charge at the weekend against Dynamo. Um, Sergei Chinikov, one of the coaches, will be in charge in the in the short term. The club reportedly uh, contacted the Beretsutsky brothers, uh, legendary players. at Tiska um, to take over. Both have completed their UEFA Pro license, so we wouldn't have um, a Murad Musayev situation where they're in charge but not officially in charge. They turned it down because they didn't think they were ready, basically. Um, Tiska is a complete mess. Um, we've gone Shredenka, we've seen it. We've seen it before when he was at Oralia Katerinburg um, and the club were involved in a uh, a scandal involving Afrak well, Tedek Gorosnius, it was then, with um, irregular betting patterns, shall we say, ahead of a entertaining 3-3 draw. Uh, he reportedly took the more high ground and said, I'm not getting involved in this, and, and, and went home. Um, this time, there is there are health issues involved as well. Uh, Gontrenko will be back in Russia, I'm certain, at some point. He is still a talented coach. He's not done well recently at Tiscar, but he has, you've got to remember, initially, very successfully, transitioned a lot of young players um, into the spine of the team. He just needs to turn it around. But I don't think he will be in the... I don't think he will 
be back to turn it around. Um, but I do think he'll be back in Russia at some point. I just hope health issues that um, they're resolved as soon as possible and then we can get back to purely sporting matters. Yeah, also not back in Russia. And um, boys, sad news. Very sad. Wagner Love, his gorgeous hair, is going to Kazakhstan instead. Um, you know, I found out the hard way too in the media. You know, you never want to find out these news in the media. You want to hear it personally. I went to our transfer marker database and the Russian guys had uploaded a graphic with him going to Kairat. Heartbroken. Absolutely heartbroken. I would have loved to see him back at CSKA. But Tim, is there still a chance? <laughs> Looks like, I don't know. Andrew thinks there's a chance. I think, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> but, but the, the story is fairly simple that Kairat just offered more money than CSKA. Uh, coming back to CSKA would have been an insanely romantic story. And given what's happening and how young, especially the team at CSKA right now is, he could have been a person who kind of calmed it down. Um, but, uh, looks like, yeah, just cut out over him money. And even his agent said, uh, the reason he went to Kairat is because they made a, a better financial offer. So unfortunately, money won the romantic over here. Um, Andrew thinks for some reason that he is going to be back. I don't know, but <laughs> then maybe has some insider's information into me. No, I, 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 I admit it doesn't make it doesn't make a lot of logic on the pitch given his age and the stage of his career, and it is definitely more of a romantic idea than, but not. But he, you know, he was a, he was allegedly very close to to joining Tesca. There was, I mean, maybe Kairat were plotting this all along, but suddenly out of nowhere he gets an offer to join a team in a league that aren't playing because um, their their league has been postponed, um, and I mean, really. Why? What? What's his motivation? I mean, you say money, but he's earned a lot of money over his over his career. I'm pretty sure he didn't move all the way back from his homeland, all the way back over here, just to go just over the border to a team that isn't playing anyway at the time. Um, and Cesc is in such a mess; it's impossible to know what they're going to do next. But um, you know, Fyodor Chalov is looking really, really low on confidence. He has. Basically, no competition for places other than Ilya Shkodin, who is an okay player, but he's not. He's not going to blow the Russian Premier League alight. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe part of me would like to see it, um, just purely for amusement's sake. But, but there's one big problem, boys. He no longer has his glorious blue dreadlocks, so he's just not the same man. Uh, maybe he has to get yellow and blue ones, um, Kairat style. Oh, heartbroken still. Um, we have to talk about fans in general, guys. And I know Tim, you you want to talk about Spartak fans here first. Um, I, I, we're going to start with that, but that seems like almost a wider issue. Um, there's so much going on in terms of what happened with with fans um, on this first match day. You know, um, Spartak fans being charged with blocking a road. Um, the club coming out in support of them, but then we have. CSKA fans being being fined for racist chants against Malcolm, you know, uh, among the these entire things that are going on um, with the pandemic, fans is not something that we want to really worry about. But then, on top of all this nonsense, you send all these pictures, and in Russia was one of the leagues that allowed fans in. Um, they were supposed to socially distance, Tim. Suppose, yeah. Supposedly. 
I mean, not only are they racist, not only do they block roads, but they're also endangering everyone around them. I mean, we, we, walk us through all of this, Tim, because this is a lot to dissect. Exactly. Overall, just the situation, if you just summarize it, uh, even there was supposed to be all the social distancing rules and probably on the, uh, in the, when you enter the stadium, there is a little bit of that and they check the, the, the temperature, but inside it was a complete mess. I just read a story of a Spartak fan who still, uh, there's also just to make sure that there was no away fans allowed at the games. He arrived to the game. He figured a way to find um, a ticket uh, as an Arsenal Tula fan and uh, Spartak fan just went uh, to the game. Um, okay, that's just a little thing, whatever. But then Sportsru, one of the biggest Russian uh, media port- uh, sport media portals, posted this a massive article of so many pictures where you can clearly see at different stadiums, different groups of fans are completely ignoring social distancing rooms, especially the fan groups. Uh, they just pretty much together, there's there's less than usual of them, but they're just like standing next to each other and they're hugging each other, they're singing those songs, they're supporting the team, which sounds nice, but maybe this is not the most important in the time of the global pandemic, but who am I to say? But there's just like this absolutely massive article with so many different pictures when you see that how social distancing rules were broken and the you know the thing is that the certain seats are taped up so you can't really sit next to each other but uh, that doesn't stop the fans and they still stand next to each other ahead of taped up seats and uh, there's also pictures of uh, players after the game walking to the fans and then high-fiving uh, some people not wearing gloves um, in globes, but the rules are that if you're coming to the stadium, you're only allowed to be full time during the whole match in the mask and in the gloves. You clearly see that lots of fans are not wearing either a mask or a glove or both. And then also the the players, it's insane. I watched um, lots of uh, Bundesliga and La Liga when it returned, and I was watching for this interesting. Manu will confirm that. Bundesliga teams, they were sitting apart on the stadium, like, I don't know, like 10 seats apart from each other. There was way more than enough by social distancing rules. And uh, the way they all behaved and everything else, it was just like so, well, German efficient. But you just see there's the photos of the teams, just people sitting on the bench, like, like it's a normal game, like all the players next to each other, no distance between this, uh, the players. They just sit sit next to each other, and then those players c- communicate with uh, their opponents, the other team, with the staff, the, the members who, with the people who work for the club. It's absolutely insane. We probably, well, it's not hard to find this article, but you can see just an insane number of uh, situations when the social distancing rules were um, uh, absolutely ignored. And this is on top of what we just discussed that there are players who actually have like confirmed cases of COVID in the team and then we we come across those situations. So it's it's just so sad to see. Just again referring to how we all three of us finished the previous spot, absolutely agreeing that um Russian League is a little bit uh, rushing the return. But if you do that you have to be so strict. You have to be stricter than Germans if it's possible, if it's humanly possible. But 
you see complete disregard to the rules and me as a Russian person, I just, yeah, like look at this with such a disappointment because it will end up in more deaths, in more really sad situations when people are going through extremely painful sickness. I'm, yeah, it's, it's so painful to see. I don't know, like Russians, we known as being like um, not liking to obey the rules and not being the most uh, disciplined nation, but this is the next level. Yeah, so I don't. I don't think we there's much need to be added to that. Um, yeah, it is. It is a frustrating situation in in so many ways, and you know, the lack of words. We have some matches to discuss, so we we might as well start with them because you know there is football played. It's hard to believe. And Andrew, um, I I want to go through these relatively quick because we're already forty minutes into this podcast. Want natural, healthy-looking shine and voluminous curls and waves that make you look like you just stepped out of a salon? It's easy with Conair Jumbo and Super Jumbo Hot Rollers. These 12 ceramic flocked rollers heat up in just 85 seconds. And because they're infused with ceramic, they transfer heat evenly for big, bouncy, long-lasting curls. Twice the flocking of competitive products means more heat protection. Wire clips ensure a secure hold. Makes a great gift for yourself or someone special. Go to conair.com for jumbo and super jumbo hot rollers now. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ahmad, you know... Taking three points against Kirillia. Um, they're out of the relegation zone now. This is a good result, isn't it, for them? Yeah, really, really surprised at this. Um, it's the first time they've scored four goals in over three years away from home. And this was a relegation dog, right? They were two points clear at the bottom. Uh, and now they are uh, in third bottom place, which is the, the lowest position that avoids relegation. Um, Kirillia, I think, actually are looking a little bit in trouble now. We both said before, and um, we all said, I believe, in the last pot that Kulia looks safe, but uh, Vladimir Elian has one of the worst strike rates of starting strikers in the Premier League, and he scored twice. I think it was only the second time in his career he's managed that. Um, so, yeah, six goals in a relegation dog, but I thought this was going to be, had nil-nil written all over it, and I couldn't have been more wrong. Um, but Makamak, yeah, they looked brilliant. They really did look very, very well prepared. And Krillia, unfortunately, did not. Yeah, speaking of not so well prepared, we've, we've spoken about it already in great length, Tim, but that 10-1 for Sochi against Rostov. Um, you were adamant that we're going to talk about it twice, so I'm going to hand you um, the details that you missed out the first time around. Yeah, and the first time I was focused mostly on the situation about the game. Now I'll just talk a little bit about the game that uh, it started very interesting because like everyone understood that those kids have no chances, but they scored on the first minute, like the first pretty much shot. They scored, but after that, Sochi destroyed them. But um, the man of the match was the uh, young goalkeeper of Rostov. Um, uh, he uh, was he let in 10 goals, but at the same time he made 15 saves, which is a record in the league. 
And also another record which is not so impressive anymore that, you know, 10-1 is the most number of goals in the, in the, in the football, in, in the game of football in the Russian league. Again, uh, Kakorin scored three goals and that was one of his hundredth goals in his career. But again, probably not the best match to have the, such a big achievement. And he did, he wasn't really extremely uh, happy. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the boys really, like the, the kids really showed themselves. They were fighting. Of course, it was tough on them. Also, as a reminder that they haven't played football in months, but, um, I think they did everything what they could. So a few interesting points uh, about the actual game of football. But, uh, this gentleman, uh, the goal, the goalie, his last name is Popov. Who is the best man of, uh, best player of the match? He had an incredible interest from everyone. And, um, he just, just to show how much story it was. His Instagram, he had 350 Instagram followers. As of today, he is on 41,000. Uh, he was on uh, the first national TV channel in the biggest night show. Uh, he was on the match TV, which is the sporting channel. So. Um, Teague definitely got lots of intention and hopefully that he will continue his, um, he also, um, also saved the penalty from Zabalotny. So, uh, potentially, hopefully this will be just his first appearance, hopefully not his last and he's going to continue because apparently he's a very talented goalie. Yeah. Andrew, this is, first of all, congrats, Mr. Popov. I, I do hope your career continues on 43,000 yeah. followers on Instagram. Whew. Well done. Which, which apparently I, I was told is more than Sochi have as a club. I haven't checked that, but somebody told me that he's now more popular than Sochi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. not surprising at all. Um, but Andrew, what is surprising oh, or less surprising? This well, result of, this result is of course not so good for Ural and Ural lose 2-1 to Rubin. Ural are now 12th. Uh, that's also not yeah, good because thirteenth and fourteenth is that playoff spot. So, yeah. Please stop your suggestion. Don't, 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 don't make this situation worse for me than it already is. No, okay. In, in truth, Ural, I've been very, very poor uh, this season. Although in this game they were, they were genuinely going to think it's just me with rose-tinted glasses, but it genuinely is me being as objective as possible. Oral were completely dominant for the first almost 60 minutes, you could argue, of this game. Um, Rubin looks very much like the lowest scoring side in the league that they are and were. Um, they had only scored 12 goals in 22 games before this match. Um, but they have the brilliant creature Kvarac Kelia. And he, he was absolutely out of this world, the teenager. Um, his, his overhead kick for, um, Oral's equalizer, I believe it was, was just fantastic. And he set up the, set up the winner as well. Oral are, are struggling in the league, like you mentioned. Um, they have conceded the most goals out of anybody. They've lost three on the bounce and they're only two points from the relegation zone. Although, admittedly, there are two teams between them and the relegation zone who are, I think, still technically slightly worse off. And also, we have to remember that Oral have a not just a Russian Cup, potentially semi-final. They've got to get there first. They've got the quarterfinal tonight away in Yaroslavl against Shunik. Um, and that's going to only add extra strain to them. Um, so... Oral, I think, are basically focusing on the on the cup. As long as they just scrape enough to survive in the league, they're not going to care where they finish. If they finish 14th, so be it. Um, and I think at this rate, they might well do that. Um, but good for Rubin. 
they're up to 11th and I think they probably will be safe now. Tim, your side. Uh, Spartak beat Arsenal yeah. 3-2. Um, you just scraping by now or are you keeping an eye on that Europa League spot? No, with what's happening in CSKA, there's a decent chance that, you know, we might uh, get into the uh, Europa League. And also we have a chance to uh, get to the Europa League in the same way like Ural, uh, because we're in the semifinal uh, against Zenit, uh, the game which will take place in St. Petersburg, and then potentially the final against one of the teams on the other side of the... Uh, there's only Ural from the Premier League, the, the other teams are from FNL, and FNL is not playing anymore, so... There's a good chance for Spartak to get in. But back to the game, Spartak was had 3-0. Uh, Sobolev scored his first goal for the team, for his official goal. And then Spartak was heading 3-0. Uh, they played a very organized uh, way, uh, the way, you know, the way we see Bundesliga teams to play. They were great on the break, um, defended very organized. I wouldn't say it was pretty, but they got the result. And especially the second half performance where the team was super, super organized, but then had a few very um, interesting and dangerous counterattacks where the you know where we made the score three nothing then there was one mistake in in the back and then there was an absolutely in my opinion ridiculous penalty on the last minute um where spartak uh, conceded the goal so even the score looks 2-3 but uh, spartak was leading a three nothing um for the most for majority of the game and i think it was uh, well deserved Again, not pretty, but they got the three points, and I think that's what we need right now. And the focus is on the cup, waiting to play that on that day of July 19th, where where lots like look, lots of football will be there. But uh, the semi cup final is going to be interesting. Yeah, Andrew, we already said this. Uh, not pretty is what is the situation at CSKA. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that sums it up very nicely. I think that four 0 beating by Zenit. Um, Zenit, I mean, they're cruising to the title, I think. But CSKA, they looked horrendous. Oh, yeah. They, they, they were every bit as ugly on the pitch as, as the situation is off it. Um, they play a, they've been playing a back three defense, um, for a long time. And like I mentioned earlier, they had, um, Vadim Karpov, who's a very promising young, young player, but he was up against the, tallest, most physical presence and a strike partnership. Well, you've got to remember, not many teams play two men up front regularly, and Zenny could easily do. It's not hard to scout that. You know that's going to happen. Um, the decision-making in defence from Victor Vassin, who has come back from a cruciate ligaments injury um, this season, he's he's a cumbersome player. He ha he's not a quick player. Um, Karpov's not very physical. Um, they didn't have Order Magnussen who is a is their ball playing centre back? He's the guy in the back three who normally distributes possession. No, it was like in midfield, who for me is their best central midfielder. Um, Fyodor Chalov was just woeful when he had whatever snippets of a chance he had. He had three touches of the ball inside the six yard box, whilst Andrei Lunyov was basically prostate underground, um, and, he, and he couldn't do anything about it. He he, he fumbled his lines. It was, oh man, it was embarrassing. Um, Zenit were good, but Tisca were just terrible. It was, yeah, it was awful. Yeah. I, I think you know, summed that up very nicely. Um, we already did speak about Ufa a little bit, Andrew, and that 2-1 result, 
against Tambov, that's very much overshadowed with whatever is happening next with uh, Vomberger, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, like Tim said, uh, Vomberger is not a first-team player, but, um, you know, I don't think he would have changed this result on the pitch um, a great deal. All felt relatively comfortable. Um, Daniel Foreman, I think it's his fourth goal of the season. He's had a really good season for them. Um, and, you know, so they're 1-0, coasting, and then a, a ball over the top, Mikhail Kostikov sticks his foot out. And at first glance, it looks like a brilliant lob, giving Belenov no chance. But if you look closely at the replay, you can see where his eyes are. He's not trying to lob him. He's just simply trying to control it. And it looks more like he's miscontrolled it to to to, to lob Kostikov. So a bit of a fluke there. And in added time, um, a header to win it. So business, uh, job done. Too far on the pitch, um, off the pitch is where the real work needs to be done. But you know, it's a good three points for them. That uh, it's good three points. Yeah, and then finally, speaking about good, good three points, uh, Andrew, sum up the match day locomotive one nil against Orenburg. Yeah, Marco Nikolic's first game in charge. Um, lovely finish from Alexei Miranchuk. Uh, it was an it was a dramatic game. This one, um, we had we had three red cards. We had. Uh, Letinov was, um, was sent off on a stroke at half time, I think it was. And Orenberg had two players sent off in the second half. Orenberg should have equalized when they were down to 10 men. Um, when, uh, I think it was Joel Fameye was actually off, he was flagged offside when they broke, broke clear and Loco were all over the place then. I really expected Orenberg to, to nick something, but it, it is, like you say, it is job done. They're not in the title race because, like, say, Zanis have run away with it. But second place is extremely valuable, getting group stage football in the Champions League. And um, it's still going to be tight between them and Krasadar, so they really, really needed those three points. But Loco have, have stumbled over the line in too many games this season just to get those 1-0 wins. But it is what Loco do. So they've done the job. Uh, Orenberg, I think, still in a lot of trouble. And that's it, boys. Can you believe it? We've covered the most scandalous match day in Russian history, Tim. Yeah, I, I call it the most scandalous. If somebody can give me a more scandalous one, uh, so much scandal spread out through pretty much every single game, then uh, yeah, l l let us know. Hit us, uh, hit us on Twitter because I would like to know. But to me, there's absolutely insane. There's so much like, negativity uh, and even that the football came back. Uh, there's so much more, like, like I said, negativity surrounding everything from the actual football to majority of the stuff related to coronavirus, uh, some crazy behavior by fans. And, um, <laughs> it's interesting. There's stuff to talk about it, but I'm not sure if this is the, you know, this is enjoyment, enjoyment, uh, from the return. So, huh. But yeah, we, we do what we gotta do. We gotta talk about this crazy league. There you have it, listener. Challenge accepted. Find us a more <laughs> scandalous Russian match day. I'm waiting. You know, the worry, the worrying thing is, Manu, there might well be one that we haven't remembered. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, if someone can point it out to us, I'd be happy, happy to talk about it. But yeah, boys, um, until then, let me know what are you up to the next few days. Andrew, start with you. I mean, at least work is back, right? Yeah, yeah, work is back. I mean, 
there are moral issues we can conflict ourselves all day long but um yeah preview writing uh covering everything that's going on and there's a lot to cover like we mentioned so yeah just that on twitter andrew mij flint i'll i'll post the odd reaction or two and um whatever i've covered and written about russian premier league yeah fantastic stuff and uh tim how about you Yeah, look, I'm, um, I'm still on the same thing, uh, under Twitter, Russian Tim 61. Uh, please send your reactions. We really thank you when you react uh, to the tweets and send us questions and give us something to, to think about, something to discuss. Uh, during the lockdown, we've been asked to um, do some uh, historical matches. Uh, as of right now, we didn't get a chance to do that, but we will probably do it uh, whenever the football slows down again because we like this idea. But overall, please send us your opinion, maybe your suggestion or something you're interested in to learn more about this crazy league. Like uh, like um, like we've been alluding the whole episode, there's so much craziness happening. Let us know what you want to know more, and um, yeah, and you can also follow me. On, on Instagram, Rocket from Russia, and my band is called Russian Team and Pavel Burez on Don streaming uh, medias. Yeah, fantastic stuff. And um, as always, I've been busy with with stories on Transfermarkt. Still cover the Bundesliga for Forbes. So yeah, you can follow all those stories um, on my personal Twitter at Manuel Veth. That's M-E-N-U-E-L-V-E-T-H, all one word. Well, guys, that does it. Until next week. Das wird dann hier. We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.